the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. So follow along, if you will. Picking it up here, you'll see the phrase born again in verse 3. It says, Jesus answered, and it truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see. Verse 7, you must be born again. If you're at your Bible, you might want to circle those two phrases twice and draw a line between the two because he's speaking twice. But in the context, he is really opening up two separate subjects here when he says born again. The object would be one, you, and then everybody needs to do this is the other. But there's two objects in here. So let's talk about being born again for a moment. Most of you probably know that the Greek word for born again means born again or be born from above. I believe there are some other uh, religions or we might say in the what they call so-called Christian realm, they will use the term, have you been reborn? So whether you say reborn or born again or born from above, I don't know that I need to park an awful lot on that. I think what we need to know is not so much just that word, we need to know the depth of the of understanding of it. What he's speaking here is, listen, Jew, Nicodemus, you're not only Jewish, part of God's chosen people, so to speak, you're one of the 6,000, you're one of the 70, and you are the teacher. So Nicodemus could be saying, okay, Lord, now what's the next thing I need to do to add to what I've got here religion-wise because you seem to be doing things I can't do. You know things I don't know. Now, it's not said in there, but he's coming to Jesus basically on all these miracles, and you're special. I want to know a little bit more. I'm lacking something here. I want to add to what I already have. Jesus hits it by saying, it's not about how much more you need to know to add to all that. What he says is you've got to start all over. You've got to be born again. So it's not reformation of your past. It's not saying, okay, I'm here and I've got to start new and act differently for the future. What it's saying is that I have to be regenerated. There has to be a part of me that is completely started over, made completely brand new. That's why in the context it talks about the physical part and then it talks about the spiritual part. Nicodemus, you got all the physical part here, probably doing a lot of good physical stuff because you're keeping the law and a lot of other stuff, even though you've added a lot of legalism, blah, blah, blah to that. You're still missing the spiritual part. Now, while you think you can add the spiritual, it's not going to be, watch this, watch this, it's not adding a lot of spiritual do-good stuff from the New Testament. He's saying, no, you've got to be completely born again. You've got to have a brand new start over here, a regenerated start. You'll see that in the context. So that's what it's all about. Now, look at the, the uh, little uh, diagram I put in here, if you will. I'm going to show you the difference between religion and regeneration. Some people talk about religion and a relationship with Christ. I don't think that's bad because people are highly relational. They want to have a relationship with Christ. On the other hand, I don't think you could have a relationship with Christ without being regenerated. Do I hear an amen on that? You've got to know that. So the relationship comes as a result of regeneration. All right, but now let's talk about religion. In your margin, you might want to put down religion means to bind back. It comes from two Latin words, not Greek words, Latin words. One is re-back, 
Ligio means to bind. Ligio, we get our word ligament, where our muscles and sinews and all of that are all binding our muscles together. All right? It's holding together, binding back one another. Religion means man is trying to bind his way back up to God. Christianity says there's nothing I can do to connect myself to God. It's all about God, what he's done for me. So it's not religion, it's regeneration. Something new has to happen within me. A new birth occurs. So look what I put here. I can achieve God's favor. That's what religion says, by doing good works. Regeneration says God's love is really an undeserved gift. There's nothing I can do. I don't deserve it no matter how good I am. I'm still a filthy rag. By the way, Nicodemus would know that because it's from the Old Testament. The good in my life can outweigh the sin. So if I do more good than bad, hey, I, I can make it. Regeneration says Jesus' death on the cross forgives me of my sin because I could never do enough good to outweigh the sin because if I'm guilty in one part, I'm guilty of the whole thing. And Psalms talks all about how that they're all wicked and lost. So does uh, Job. Verse uh, third says, I must give up a part of my life. Religion says if I stop this and start that and do this and do that. Jesus says, no, it's not about you giving up part of your life. It's me giving up all of my life for you on the cross. I died in your place. I paid your sin debt. I rose again from the dead. My blood was enough to give you the full forgiveness of sin so you don't do anything. Religion says, well, if you don't try, just try a little harder, a little longer. Do the right stuff, social and religious. Try harder. Jesus says, no, it's not about you trying harder. It's simply about trusting in me. It's only by faith alone. I love that and that's a big difference there and so I hope you understand the regeneration is you must be born again. I'll talk about that in a moment. Let's go to the fourth here. Don't let the physical blind you to the spiritual. Don't let the physical blind you to the spiritual. Let's look at this passage beginning at verse 4. It says, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Good question to Nicodemus, although I would probably say, are you being so obtuse? I mean, I, I don't think he is. I think he really knows what's going on. I think he's just playing with the Lord a little bit. You talk about being born again. What do you really mean, this? I don't mean being a little crass, but at the same time, I think he's being a little weird. But it, it, I think the Lord put it in there and allowed Nicodemus to say that so that the Lord could open up a little bit further the deep understanding of what it means to be born again. And so Jesus answers again. There's those two words, truly, truly, second time in our passage. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Are you looking at your Bible now? I want you to see this for a second. Go to verse 3. It says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Go back down to verse 5 and it says, unless he's born of water, born of the Spirit. In other words, unless he's born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So look up here for a second. There's two different ways he uses it. Born again to see, we're going to say understand the kingdom of God. The other is you've got to be born again to fully enter into the kingdom of God. That theology is huge. First of all, the kingdom of God, I believe, has a general interpretation and then a present application. The general interpretation is... Like we sung about, God is God of everything. In other words, this is the kingdom of God. We are living in God's kingdom. He owns everything. He owns us, whether we're saved or lost. Everything is under God, okay? Do you all agree with that? Okay, that's kingdom of God. More specifically, since he's talking more about being saved and entering into God's forever kingdom, I believe now he's talking about salvation. So he's saying here, unless you are born, a new, regenerated, born again, you cannot see or understand the kingdom of God. That's why you can come to church often as you will. There'll still be things that you're going to push back on when you hear it, probably because you don't have the Spirit of God within you, not probably for sure, and therefore you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
There will be things that you'll hear from the pulpit that you'll just say, I don't agree with it. And it's quite likely you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior. You're not born again. Now, I don't want you to doubt your salvation, but I do think you need to evaluate it. Have I placed my faith alone in Jesus Christ as my only hope to get into heaven? All right, the second it says, not only can you not see the kingdom of God or understand it, you will not even enter into it. So once you are born again, you'll fully, under, not fully, but better understand it, more accurately understand it. But for sure, you will then be eligible to enter it because you got your ticket. And it was stamped by Jesus Christ and sealed by his Holy Spirit in his blood. So that passage is now again talking about you must be born again to be able to see it and also to be able to enter it. But since we're talking about this whole idea of don't let the physical blind you to the spiritual, let's go back to the passage again. Jesus says, Truly I say unto you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Are you tracking with me so far? When you share this verse with some people, they're going to come back and say, See, you have to be baptized to be saved. It says, Unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot get into heaven. Well, first of all, you have to go back to, to whom is Jesus speaking? He is speaking to a Jew, all right? First of all, he knew very little of baptism. You might have heard a little bit about John the Baptist. We also know that Jesus didn't baptize anybody, so baptism was kind of like a real, I don't know, that. you know, that wasn't a big deal. Besides all of that, when you take it from one end of the Bible to the other, water baptism is ne never stated as a requirement in order to get saved nor to stay saved. So it couldn't be talking about water baptism. That's not a part of the deal. Others would like to say, well, maybe he's making the contrast between the physical world and the spiritual, the first birth and the second birth. And he's talking about the, um, the fluid that, I don't want to get gross, but the fluid that, gal that mothers have when they give birth to a child. Now, it's possible, but it said water. It didn't say fluid in the original language. And so I really don't believe that the Lord was talking about so much the physical birth and the spiritual birth of this because in all the ancient writings, that was really not an issue. That was something that was a non-entity. So I got thinking, now, what could this really be? Now, this is my opinion, and I, 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 this is how I'll teach it until I come into some other truth that I haven't found. I believe that he's talking about the same thing. I don't think it's a contrast between spiritual and physical. I think it's nothing more than saying the same thing but an expanded version. First of all, he's speaking to Nicodemus. When he speaks to Nicodemus, he's speaking to a Jew. The Jew, a true Jew, and one who was 6,000 of the Pharisees, 70 of the Sanhedrin, and the, the teacher, he would know that when he spoke about the water, especially with Jewish people, they knew according to Ezekiel chapter... Um, what chapter is that? Don't, uh, 36 that when the Jews were to come into the new covenant that the Lord would wash them by the word from their filthiness. It didn't say wash them by water or by the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee, or even the Dead Sea, the Mediterranean Sea. They were washed by the Lord himself and cleansed. Now when you take... I don't mean to be deep, but you're not going to get this other churches and that's why you're coming probably. But if you take this now to the New Testament... You're going to find that two times, at least in the New Testament, I think there are more, but two times it refers to the washing of regeneration, Titus 3, 5, and washing of the Word of God. So I believe when it's talking here about this being by the water, by the Spirit, I believe the, the waters refer to the Word of God right here, and that God in His infinite wisdom will take His Word, the authority of His Word with His Spirit, and we are fully cleansed, top to bottom, same thing, by God Himself, and by that happening, then we have the new birth that occurs. So he's, he is talking physical and spiritual, but in this passage, it's all spiritual. So go back to it again. It says, 
Unless you are born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom unless the water of the Word of God. And the water of the Word could be John 3.16 later on in the passage. Any other passages that talk about Jesus as God, that you are a sinner, that you have to be perfect to go to heaven, that you're not, that your good works won't get you there, that Jesus died and rose again, that whole supernatural thing of God where he takes this person and you are instantly born again. All that's happening at that very moment. And what a beautiful thing that's going on. And so I hope we, we understand that. Go back to the passage again. Let me go a bit further, then we'll fill in your blanks for you. Verse 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, what is he referring here? All right. I don't think it's talking about that so much which is born of the flesh, like physical flesh, like my flesh. I believe it's talking more of the nature, referring to this. In your first birth, I have a, a wicked nature. I, I do bad things because I'm bad. You got that? I do bad things because I'm bad. I, um, I do evil deeds because I'm evil. I do, I, by nature and choice, I'm an evil person. Now, where did I get that from? I don't get to, but I get it from my mom and dad. Not that they're so bad. They're all sinners like you are. But it goes all the way back to whom? Who do you think? Adam. Not our Adam, but Adam. It goes all the way back to Adam. All right? So it goes back to Adam. So that means everything about our first birth is nothing but an evil nature. That which is a flesh is flesh. But... Our flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God, other scripture. Coming over here on this side, that which is of the Spirit is of the Spirit. So when the Spirit comes in by water and the Word, regenerates us, we now have a brand new Spirit within us. And this is the Spirit that gives us understanding to the kingdom of God and allows us to enter into the kingdom of God. And that's all of God. This is all of man. And these two can't be put together in order to be saved. So it's not trusting Christ and doing my part of good deeds. It is only trusting Christ. It is only by His grace. So if you will look at your notes, the first time Jesus helps Nicodemus understand the truth. And so for some of you, my prayer is that God is opening up your, your mind to this truth. You're starting to understand some of these things so you can understand the kingdom of God. And the second time, Jesus is answering with a challenge that he would believe this truth for life. Are you okay so far? Are you doing all right? Let me go a little bit deeper now. The word believe in John is found approximately a hundred times. And the reason I say a hundred is because different versions or translations might have one or two words, but it's so close there. What would be interesting is for you to go home this afternoon and count how many beliefs are found in just chapter 3 alone and come back next week or email me and tell me your answer. Now, don't do it while I'm preaching, okay? I want you to listen, but at the same time, see how many times it's found there because look, 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 look. When we talk about the new birth, everything I'm saying this morning is going to come through one door. Here it is. The one door, the one truth. If you had to reduce it to one thing, it is faith alone in Christ alone so you can have eternal life. I don't write this stuff. The Lord writes this stuff. It's all right in Scripture here. So it's all by believing. So the key is the thought of I have to believe in Christ. And you'll see this here, especially as we get to verse 15. So he wants you to understand that it's by faith in Him alone. He wants Nicodemus to stop thinking physically and to start thinking spiritually, as so many people do. Well, what do you have to do next? You have to admit what you don't know. I love this about Nicodemus. He admits a little bit about what he doesn't know. Jesus says, Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Now he moves from Nicodemus, and he says, Not only do you need to be born again, Nicodemus, but all of you who are Jews and all who are listening, everybody must be born again. And let me pause. That means all of you who are listening to me, whether on radio or on the internet, or you got a CD you're listening to in the car, or you're here today, or wherever, all of you must be born again. Now, there are a couple of words in here that would be good for you to see. 
It's the word cannot and the word must. So if you want to, go up to verse 3. It says, one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, in the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So that means it's not, I might, I hope, someday, maybe if I do. No, no, you cannot. I could say you will not. I think that's all part of it. I want to go too far with it, but you cannot. So no matter how much you hit this ceiling of religion, you will not penetrate it. No, mu- no much how much you, you hit the ceiling of social action, you will not penetrate it. You cannot enter into God in eternal life. There's no way apart from you being born again. Now the other word is the word must that's found in here. You must be born again. I wish you had the time to go through scripture and find out when Jesus says you must, you must, you must, you must, you must, you must be born again. Now, I know you're tracking with this. I think you have the knowledge. You heard the truth. You must be born again. Some of you are now acknowledging that as truth. I do not only hear it, but I believe you're right. I must be born again. Good. But even though you must be born again and the Lord says you must be born again, He will not born you again. You have got to place your faith in Christ and that ignites that whole regeneration experience for you. It's when you trust Christ. So He says, this is what must happen in order for you to have eternal life and you must be born again, but this is how it happens. Not through works, but through faith in Him. So the two important words are cannot and the word must. So you have to admit what you don't know. And it's a little bit in here that you can see what you don't know. I love verse 8. He says here, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. What does that mean? simply means you can't see the wind, but you can experience its results. You know that there's wind because you see the results. You can't control the wind, but you know that it's there. You don't know where it comes and where it's going. It's a mystery to you. But so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Oh, for a moment... Look at verse 9. It says, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? And you don't understand these things? Now he's not talking about the wind issue. What he's talking about is the upper issues above all of that. You don't understand about all this? You should know all about this. And folks, if I could unpack the whole Jewish mindset biblically, there's so much of the Messiah in the Old Testament. It is all... It is, it is almost screaming at you starting from Genesis all the way through. I want you to know from Genesis to Malachi, Jesus is all over the Old Testament. The Messiah is all over the Old Testament and why he came. And then you can move away from Jesus for a moment and look at all the types that are in the Old Testament. All those types to teach by are types of what Christ is all about in the Old Testament. So he's saying, you're the teacher and you don't know this stuff? I'm going to ask you, how many of you have ever been to a class where the teacher wasn't prepared and you were saying, I don't know where he's going, all right? Well, a little bit, that's what's happening here. You don't know where you're going. Don't you know these things? You should know this. It's all in your Old Testament. You need to pay attention a little bit more. Now, if you will, go a little bit further in verse 11. It says, and truly, truly, the third time I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. Now, let me say this in love to you. There could be some of you that you could read scripture and you're going to hear the testimony of the Lord through the word of God. You're going to read about his miracles and the signs and the wonders that's happened in the Bible. But unless you accept the person and the work of Jesus Christ as it is accurately displayed and described in scripture, you will still be lost. So you can't just have a head knowledge of the Lord. There's got to be a personal faith experience in him. So he says here, 
We speak all this stuff. We know about this. And you still do not accept our testimony. How much more is it going to take? We've done our part, the Lord's saying. We've done our speaking. I'm going to the cross in the future. He didn't say it in that passage, but others. Now, verse 12, if I told you earthly things and you don't believe them about the wind, because you can't understand all that, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended unto heaven, but he who descended from heaven here, which is me. So listen, guys, nobody else has done this but me. I've been in heaven. I've come down here. I, I know this stuff. I'm telling you the truth right here. And then he says in verse 14 about Moses. I want to end with this last, and that is you have to make belief and trust your daily measure of success. Now, when you say, what in the world is he throwing this whole thing about Moses and lifting up a serpent in the wilderness? I have no, what, who, I think I know about Moses. I, I think there was a movie called The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And, I, and I'm not putting you down. I'm not mocking you. That's, it's unfortunately, more and more people don't even know about Moses. They haven't even seen that movie, let alone the Bible. So it's understanding why that would be so confusing to you. But to Nicodemus, Nicodemus says, Whoa, now I, I, I know what was going on with Moses. This is so cool. The children of Israel, they did some bad things. The Lord unleashed some serpents. The serpents came along to the children of Israel while they were in the wilderness. The serpents bit them. They were dying physically. All of a sudden, there was a bit of repentance, a change of mind kind of thing going on. And so what was said was, look up over here. I want you to take the serpent. I want you to put it up on this pole. Raise this pole up and tell the people if they would just look at that serpent, they will then live. So really what it's saying is not just the looking at the serpent. They're really saying, believe what I'm telling you. You've got to trust that if you look at this, you're going to be healed of this. You're not going to die. Now, for some of you, this might be interesting for you. But if you ever look at that medical symbol, what is it? It's a pole, kind of a, a crossy type pole. And around it happens to be a symbol of a serpent around there. What is that a symbol of? Of the Old Testament. Moses lifting up this serpent on a pole to heal. Now, this is really out there, so when you play trivia, you'll know this one. When you would go in the old days to have your hair cut, guys, you would not only get your hair cut, you know, in a shave, but they would do bloodletting. Bloodletting would be something to help heal you by putting the leech on a vein or on your arm or your leg or someplace where it could, I'm sorry, kids, suck the blood out of it. Okay, and it would suck the blood, and hoping that would hope that would heal you. So when you went to the, the to the barbers, often there would be doctor kind of doctor medical dynamic in there as well to do this. That's why you have the barber pole with those red stripes going around it as well. And there's a lot more symbolism than just that. I'm saying all those little stories to get to the bigger story, which is this. He said, lift up the pole with the serpent on it. You had to look to that serpent in faith, and you'll be healed. That was a physical thing that he was now symbolizing something far more spiritual over here. Just like Moses was lifted up and those people were healed physically, the Lord says he will be lifted up and you won't be healed physically as such as you will be healed spiritually because the whole thing is being born again. And so now you're to obey the Lord by looking to that. And when you obey him, you're trusting that that is truth. And so you're believing in him and now you're looking to the Lord. He says, if I lift it up. Jesus later on says, if... When he is lifted up, he will draw all men. Now, drawing all men does not necessarily mean everybody gets saved. It does mean that when you lift him up, here's what happens properly, biblically. When you lift him up in front of other people, what you're really doing is you are drawing people to the person of Christ away from their good works, religion, and all the rest. And so when you're lifting up Christ, that's what this whole thing is all about. So the bottom line is belief in Jesus Christ is by faith alone in Christ alone to have everlasting life. And I love verse 15. So that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Actually, the Greek, according to 
Some other great scholar says it could be flipped. It says the same thing, but it says it this way. So that whoever believes in him, the object of their faith, in him, context, in him, will have everlasting life. It doesn't say behave, it says believe. So believing, you are regenerated by the water of the word and the spirit of God and you now can understand the kingdom of God and you can enter the kingdom of God. Will you now receive this? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I pray that the word of God right now is going into your mind and that you are going to partner with the Holy Spirit as he's prompting you to see yourself as a sinner, no matter how successful you are in life, in business, no matter what you're going through in your life, that God loves you and that when he spoke to you, yes, he spoke directly to you, but why? One, because he loved you. But secondly, because this truth is not something you you dance around. It's not something we kind of just chit-chat, talk story. This is truth that is life and death. And the results are for eternity. The blessing in heaven, the consequences in hell. And so you must be born again. And if you believe in Him, you're so born again by the Spirit, and the Spirit never dies, therefore you'll never die, and you will have everlasting life. You've been born by the Spirit. Would you trust Christ as your Savior? You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.